I'm Silas Farley, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Hear the Dance. This episode is part two of the conversation about Ulysses Dove. My guest is Ulysses' younger brother, Alfred Dove, an arts educator and leader who serves as the director and administrator of Ulysses Dove's artistic estate. Enjoy. I'm actually really excited to be here. Like I said, I've been all day, I've been um, just uh, with your questions from the interview and preparing. It's just put me in a wonderful state of mind in my brother and just remembering things from my childhood that I hadn't even thought about um, growing up for a while, you know? So this is a wonderful opportunity for me too. Well, it's it's a delight. It's really a delight. Alfred, what was the dynamic in your family home in South Carolina and were music and art part of your upbringing there? I think, you know, my parents had, you know, they were entertainers. Um, I mean, as far as they gave house parties and they went out dancing and, and my recollection growing up, we had friends over the house and they danced and that kind of stuff. Um, Ulysses is nine years older than me, so I probably should tell the story from uh, when he really came into my life and then give you the backstory of and why he never was around growing up. In the second grade, he won a contest at a Catholic school. Uh, my brother was very smart and he was reading by three, so he won a contest at a Catholic school because he was really bright and we're talking about the 50s, so a, a bright black boy in the South. He liked to talk, he liked to communicate, and he communicated well, and he wasn't afraid to talk to people, and even white people. And so, you know, asking questions put him in a place that he could have gotten hurt. And so um, he went to a Catholic school, he didn't go to public school, he went to Catholic school, and he won this contest, and the um, priests um, didn't think boys should dance. So um, they wouldn't give him the award. And he started acting out. And my mother was working. Um, she was um, studying to be a school teacher. So she was working in another city. And she would have to drive back and forth because he just started to really show out in school. And they ended up sending him to live with my um, grandmother and great-grandmother. Shortly thereafter, they put him into Boggs Academy, which was a, a private Presbyterian boarding school. And so um, Ulysses was really never around growing up. He would, he would come home during holidays and it was always very tense in the house. So that's what I remember about growing up with him. Then when I was about in high school, Ulysses um, was already in New York. And the story is that uh, after seeing Mary Hankson dance, he just kind of vanished in my parents' life. He dropped out of school and he started to pursue uh, a degree in dance. Um, so he went from pre-med, being the first family doctor. My parents um, were certain about that because they worked two jobs and my father worked three jobs to, while he was a student at Howard. So he saw the Martha Graham Company dance while he was at Howard. Yes. And that was transformative for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, he said that several times. It's, you know, it's, um, it changed his life. Funny thing, I know my brother danced at Howard, but um, several of the choreographers I've worked with and speaking about Ulysses while he was at Howard, they said he would just be hanging around the theater and hanging around the studios. They never saw him dance. 
So when he got to New York and was dancing around the city with several art um, choreographers, they said, oh, he dances, you know. So he, what he did, I, I believe, I think somewhat of the same type of personality, he caught up during those years that he was in D.C. He caught up in his, you know, I think he really wanted to be a dancer, but he had to figure out how to get out of this <laughs> pre-med program my parents were slaving to put him through. <laughs> so he took classes with um, um, Tate, Carolyn Tate, yeah. Um, so he took classes with her. And then he went on to University of Wisconsin and then to Bennington College, which is hugely significant in the history of dance for the role of uh, the development of modern dance there. Mm -hmm. And there was even a time when one of the early precursors to New York City Ballet, Ballet Caravan, which was run by Lincoln Kirstein, that they had done performances at Bennington College. And there was a little overlap between ballet and modern dance there, which is interesting. But then he came to New York and uh, joined the Merce Cunningham Company. And what was the impact of that time with Merce on Ulysses as a dancer and then later as a choreographer? Merce Cunningham was just so impressed with Ulysses, the cleanliness of his, of his um, lines and his exactness in the movements. Ulysses was actually studying at the Cunningham School when uh, Merce asked him to join the company. I think Merce taught him a lot of structure as far as choreographic structure. Um, if you look at several of his pieces, you can see, you can pull out some of uh, Merce Cunningham's ballets. They're not verbatim. He's taken the idea and, and made it his own. He used the structure to um, communicate a thought. And I think that, that, that one of the stronger strengths that he, he took from the Merce Cunningham, you know, you, it's very clear. You can see the beginning, middle, and end of, of Ulysses' works, and you can see how he builds. And I think that he... Um, he was influenced by Merce Cunningham um, in that respect. And then and Ailey. Ailey saw him dance. He actually was studying downtown and Anna Sokolov asked him to do her ballet rooms. The reason why Ailey invited him to dance is because of his performance in rooms. Ailey has a way of telling a story that really touches your humanity, where everybody can see themselves in the story. And, 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 and Ulysses' works are, are of the same vein. For instance, um, Vespers, which is about our grandmother and growing up in the South and how he saw women and my aunts. I have several aunts. I have a huge family in South Carolina, um, nine uncles and, and one aunt and then their wives. And that's on my father's side. And then my mother's side, we have, she had two brothers and a, and a, and a sister. So we, you know, we have this extended family. So he was the first grandchild. So everyone was kind of, um, if you know anything about family structure, the first grandchild is just get spoiled rotten, as well as people are really not used to having children around. So, you know, they're not as sophisticated when other children come around, if, I, if you catch my drift. So he was exposed to a lot. He saw life very raw. And, and when you look at serious pleasures, you, it reminds me when of the great room in my, my um, grandfather's house. It was a huge room. And, and uh, by the time I came along, he was, he was 
quite ill. So I don't remember him seeing him as active, but I know that him and Ulysses had to, had a great relationship because he taught my brother how to read and he was reading very early. They say three, but I, I'm, I'm trying to envision that. Um, he was exposed to a lot of life and he could take those shapes and those thoughts and, and, and put them into a choreographic phrase that touches people. And he gives the dancers an opportunity to live completely out loud, you know, to take that technique that they work on daily and play with it to the point where it's, it, it, it still surprises them when they're doing it, if they take the risks, you know. Um, so he always wanted the dance, he wanted the dancer to push themselves. And it's, for, my, for me, it's very, it's a, it's a fine line I walk. One, when you tell a ballet dancer to push themselves, they think they have to add something to the choreography. But what you're asking them to do is to push themselves in the choreography. You don't have to worry about making it do anything. If you just do the technique, it will take care of itself. You don't have to just celebrate. You, you, I mean, you take these classes, come on. Celebrate the movement to its fullest. And, and I think that with the New York City Ballet dancers that he chose to do, Red Angels, is very, very clear that they are enjoying themselves. It's really clear. They're pushing themselves to the edge of that technique, but they're enjoying it. And that's a, that's, that's a hard thing to do for a choreographer to communicate that to a dancer and them, them to trust the movement. You know, I mean, he's not the first one that said that, you know, but the movement never lies. You have to trust it. And then with as technical as Red Angel is, and with, with most of his works, even the modern works, they're very technical. But if you just do it, and, and you'll see that it's a, it's a great place to dance. And that's what touches the audience. We're all living on this edge. I mean, even now is more evident than ever. You know, you have to live life fully. I wanted to roll back just a little bit and ask you if you think that the music and ritual of Sunday church services somehow shape Ulysses' art. Yes, and in, a, in a strange kind of way. Um, I would say the ritual of, of preparing to go to service in, in the South is very important. Um, you get up, you get dressed, you iron your clothes. I mean, we're talking about his growing up. You iron your clothes, you eat breakfast. You look your you best. Walk to church. Yeah, you look your best, you walk to church. And when you get there, there's a, a spiritual experience that you're having. So that you, you're there and you're reverence and you're um, praising and you're, and you're watching adults catch the Holy Ghost or in actuality, you watch adults kind of celebrate the fact that maybe you made it through the week, maybe you got um, some blessing, uh, you know, maybe your crops were growing. We're talking about real people and you're talking about how they use the church as a way to be grateful for the things that they have. He matured in that type of environment. So when you talk about his choreography, he's always gonna get to the essence of telling a story and making sure that the dancers experience on stage in that moment and then evaluate themselves 
to see if they can do it better the next time or find something different in it. If you've seen his, his documentary, Two by Dove, he says, you know, once you give it to the dancers, they're the ones that do that, they're doing the work, you know? So I think that all of that comes from his, his growing up and experience religion and spirituality from two very strong matriarchs in our family. And, and then his, his life just like changed. He went to boarding school. So it's, he has a lot to say about all of those experiences in his choreography. And you said that he started reading really, really young. What, what reading was really shaping him and what, what role did that play in his artistic development, his personal development? I, I keep saying he was smart because he um, um, spoke several languages. And he, he loved to, to communicate that way and learn things. I'm sure that, I'm sure the biblical stories were, were grounded in him. He always toys with temptation and basking in the glow or, or um, nepotism. You know, he toys with those things. So I'm sure he's gotten that, those things from, from there wasn't much to read. The Bible was probably the most significant book in the house. I do know a story that he told, um, my uncle told me that he was driving down, driving the tractor and, and he said, you're going to break the axle. And he says, what is the axle? How do you know what an axle is? And he said, he says, those books you have. So I guess they must have auto mechanic books because most of them are like that. But, and sure enough, the axle broke. So we, you know, my uncle always tell, laughs at that story, how he knew that. But um, I think he was just curious. And he was the first and, 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 you know, just growing up, you know, on a farm, you, you learn things instinctually. You also spent seven years dancing with the Ailey Company. And it was there that Mr. Ailey commissioned his first mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. And um, what, was, what was Ailey's role as a director and also a choreographic mentor to your brother? I know Ailey encouraged most of the young black choreographers of that time. Um, and the Ailey Company was a place where you could come and experiment with very fine dancers. And Ailey just encouraged him to not be afraid to try different things in dance and to pick music that didn't necessarily run along the, the thematic structure like uh, if the mo movement was da 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 da, and the dancer would do something, you know, a little, a little quick step. He wanted him to just experiment with music, experiment with with the stage, um, and, uh, and also challenge the dancer. I see the moon. The moon sees me. Was very challenging for the dancers. He wasn't trying to find a way to um, do what the dancer normally does. He wanted to push them in areas of and movement that they weren't accustomed to doing. Um, he wanted to test their Horton technique and their ballet technique because he, uh, those young people in early two, um, they, had, they had all sorts of, of techniques and you know, they're coming from the school and, and they're being polished for the company. So um, one technique may stand out more than, than another. So he wanted, to use what, he wanted to use them and give them the freedom to really dance. When he, did, when he uh, did Inside for Judith Jameson, his story is that, you know, he gave her a movement, but 
she wanted to do it on the on the other leg or do it uh, you know she wanted to put judy Judith in there um i came up a time when i've been been knowing Judith jameson since i was 15 and so um my brother introduced her as judy and sometimes i slip <laughs> but but um uh you know judith judith wanted to do it on another leg and he said to her he says i'm i'm trying to do something new and what that said to me was he's trying to do something new with her with not give her the movement that she's accustomed doing and and that shed light on how he he um, approached other dancers he wanted his movement never to lie to the audience and the dancers to always be engaged in telling the story. In 1980, Ulysses switched his focus to choreography. He danced three years with Merce Cunningham, he danced seven years with Alvin Ailey, and then he focused on choreography. How did Ulysses choreograph his life into his work? Wow, that's interesting. Um, I think that he always did, really. Um, when I, I'm responsible for keeping his works, so I keep seeing my family in his work. <laughs> yeah, I keep seeing my family in his works. So the interesting part is that, you know, um, when Ulysses, you know, cause these are, I'm sure when he was in college, he was, he was developing. I, I don't know much about that, but I know he was developing and I did, hear stories of him having a group and he danced with a group and he danced with the group, you know. So um, I'm sure that he was developing how to tell these stories because I, I, I see it and I get the people, you know what I mean? Um, um, like I said, I see my, my grandfather's great room and all these doors with shutters on them. I see that, you know, and when I'm, when I, um, I'm setting Vespers, I can tell them almost which aunt that they're dancing the story about, you know? And so I had the opportunity to um, set it on University of South Florida with John Parks. After telling them the story, those girls got it. And, and, and so we're talking about, you know, Ulysses didn't want to dance, I mean, didn't want to set his works on young dancers. And I, I, I struggle with that. Um, but um, with Vespers, the girls are so passionate about dancing that work because, you know, like, like yourself, Salas, they, they've seen it, you know, they've seen it growing up and they wanted to dance it. So I have to be able to, to connect stories to that movement to make it fresh and real for them. That's my practice. I, I, I make sure that I, I leave wherever I'm setting Ulysses works with the dancers having enough information to do it the same way that they did when Ulysses was alive. That, that's that's my, my main desire is to make sure, because oftentimes, as I said to a, the Royal Danish Ballet, I'm not coming back here, you know? After this, I finish, when I go away, I may not come back. So I have to leave it in good hands. And I have to make sure I have, I give them as much information that they want to do the work that way. And I want his choreography to be fresh as if the dancer is doing it for the first time and he's in the room with them. I want, I want to make sure that they really experience doing the work because that's what keeps it alive. 
Um, Ulysses said he didn't want a company. I'm not certain why he said that, but I, I do believe that he cared uh, about his choreography to set it on the right dancer that would do it the way he set it on them. Alfred, I had a question for you. There was a period when Ulysses worked with the choreographic research group at the Paris Opera Ballet in the early 80s. What was his role there? Um, he, he taught modern. He was, he was in charge. He was the director of the modern portion of the ballet company. He has about um, maybe 10, 11 pieces there. And so he set a lot of pieces there. Um, he also, believe it or not, I don't, I don't, I can't envision it, but he said Vespers on point. You know, I, 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 I can't even envision that. So he was learning how to use lights, you know, on a big stage. I mean, you can really make severe light um, diagonals and, um, and all of those kind of um, lighting specials. So he, uh, and then the budget was out of the, you know, crazy budget. So he, he has a lot of wonderful pieces there. And teaching modern ballet dancers, um, you're going to get a, a, a nice blend of movement. So he came back with this wonderful vocabulary that he could work from, you know. And, um, and, and also, he learned how to get the best out of dancers. I think he always knew that, but somehow he came back different, a little different, um, and very focused and very engaged on getting his works on stage. It's fascinating. And it's fascinating to think about those three years as a time where that fusion of the classical ballet and the modern dance that became emblematic of some of his later works might have been worked out in that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure his Ailey and his Cunningham training and all of that, all of those things just kind of gelled in Europe. And with the freedom of dance, of just being able to create, you know, um, he came back from, from Europe and, and did Nightshade. And, and that was, if you ever seen that piece, it has candles and it has this big, huge, big um, um, metal wall. And, and it's a wonderful piece, you know, about possession and, and tribalism. And he set that on an Ailey company. And it was just like, what? And wow. And, you know, so uh, he came back with all of those possibilities of how to use stage and how to, with the opera influence of just having a crazy budget. His imagination could run wild. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the hallmarks of his works? The, how he plays with the elements of dance, you know, sustain, um, freezing, anguish, that, that inner thing that, that, that the dancers got to get to to get to that movement. You have to go somewhere inside to get there. Telling a story. I think one of the dancers out at Pacific Northwest said he loved doing Ulysses' works because he always felt like he was saying something about something. You know, he wanted to, you know, so, so it's a certain, uh, certain element of grandiose that Ulysses allows the dancers to breathe in. You know, um, he loves turns, certainly pencil turns. He also loved how you, how you slice space and um, the type of um, movement that that sound has and how how that sound the dancer even though uh, there's a score 
but there's uh, when he's setting his works, there's a sound, there's a, a rhythmic pattern that he gives the dancer to 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 toy with. When if you've seen the the two by doves, he's you know, you know, he gives the dancer, ha ha ha. You know, he gives the dancer all of that, and you have to you 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 have to do that to get there. And then he gives you movement that's had this semiotic relationship with the sound and the movement and, and your input. It gives, it's, it's certainly freeing for, for a dancer. You're at the bar or you're on the floor and you're, you know, you, you have to do all of these counts, but it's the quality of the movement that he, he allows the dancer to, to experience with the step. There was a wonderful quote from Judith Jameson talking about Ulysses' choreography. She says, it pulls you in and keeps you in and then leaves you limp. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that is the same uh, experience that the audience is having as well. I said this in an interview for Ballet Met when Mr. Lang set Red Angels on them. Um, we worked together to, do, to put that together and it was a wonderful experience. So I said in the, in, the, in the interview with them, you know, when you're watching a Ulysses piece, if you've never seen his work before, and you're just like, oh, that sounds interesting. All right, let's go and see what that is. And you're watching his works. His works start out, and visually, they're, uh, for the very first moment, he's got you. Right, he's got you for the very first moment. There's something that's really, really beautiful. So you're watching, and now, you've, now he has you. And so you're watching his work, and the, the more it goes on, you're up, you're, you're, your chest is out, you're, you know, you're like, oh my, you, you're almost on stage with them because they've, they've captured, the dancers have captured you. So, you know, and by the time it's over, the bows come and you're like, yay! You know, I, it's, and, and I tell you, this is a true story. <laughs> I watched Ulysses do... Um, I think it was episodes at the Kennedy Center. And um, I hadn't seen my brother in a while. So we talked and then we see the, saw the show. And I was so, I just, when the piece was over, I just stood up and screamed. I was like, yeah! And I forgot where I was, you know, it was the Kennedy Center. <laughs> so I was like, oh, 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 oh. stand up. Yes, it was, you know, yeah, couldn't just let it go. I should have just sat down. I couldn't let it go, man. Silas, I was, you should stand up. This is great. I, was, uh, I got up and huffed out of the theater. I, I, was, I hadn't seen his works in episodes. That's when the White Roden was doing and Debbie Manning was doing it. Oh, my. And it was, it was just incredible. I mean, those dancers that first did, man, he let those early dancers out the box. And, you know, they loved performing his works. The ones that he set it on, they loved it. Mm. They, you know, they would kill themselves doing that work. They loved it so. And so that's how he endeared them. So Judith is right, you know, he not only to, for the dancer, you know, he does that for the audience as well. He pulls them in and you're a limp afterwards because you you've experienced something with the dancers you know he wanted to make sure that the dancers told the story it's, you're not just dancing stuff you got to tell this story and to be honest that's the only we're going to get through it you know if you're not if you're not telling a story those steps are going to beat you up 
you're transformed after you do his works. Alfred, the lighting design is so dynamic and distinctive in Ulysses' works. And you've touched on that a little bit because of the time you had at Paris Opera and how the access to the incredible lighting palette that they had there might have also might have played into why that became such a big part of this work. And could you just share with us a little bit more about that? Ulysses was very clear about what he wanted and, and how he communicated that to people. Um, so I would be remiss not to say that um, Ulysses seemed to always put together a fantastic artistic staff. And they were very receptive into listening to his ideas and making sure those ideas got on stage. There's no vague lines, especially um, um, how his pieces are lit. There's, there's, they're very thought out and they're very meticulous and how they showed Case the dancer. And so the dancer also has to realize that you're capsulizing a moment for Ulysses. He wanted to make sure that, that his idea was clear. What are some of the other main themes of Ulysses' works? Um, he, he definitely, he definitely, with Dancing on the Front Porch of Heaven, he, he wanted to talk about love. He also wanted, um, he expressed grief. He expressed a bond and, and how you support someone that is grieving, you know, or how you protect some innocence, how you let go of, of, um, someone when they die, he a lot of his you know vespers and dancing from porch of heaven very much um, that um, grieving that he was going through. You can see that very clearly. He loved the dynamics of relationships, male-female relationships, male-male relationships, male-female-male relationships, um, that friendships. He, you see the dynamics of, of the dancers, you know, and their relationships, friendships that people create. Episodes is about that. And then there's, there's always this competition that's going on, even with, with, with lovers in the company or, or, or with um, friends, you know, so um, episodes a lot about that. Dancers on the onslaught of AIDS, several dancers that he knew were diagnosed. And, and, and you can see that type of um, urgency in, in, in how he put his phrases together, you know, and um, supporting one another in that diagnosis. I do know that Mr. Ailey had just passed and that figure brought brought about um, bad blood and and um, how he voiced out his his ideas on on losing someone and 
being in a, I wouldn't say a tribe, but um, where men and women competed against each other to, um, to kind of see who was going to walk away with the prize. You know, so um, Bad Blood was, was very much about that. How did Ulysses understand or articulate to you the significance of his working with ballet companies like the Paris Opera, Royal Swedish, ABT, as a Black man, particularly at that time? I think Ulysses first saw himself as once he decided to become a freelance choreographer. Mm. I think he really saw himself as just a man that who happened to be black. The reason why I say that is because, you know, if you've ever been outside the United States, you know, the, the black experience is not the same outside of the United States. And so he knew that he had to be a, a, a really an expert at his craft in order to communicate his culture, as well as what he was trying to say in dance. If you've never been outside the United States, it's really hard for you to understand the type of freedom when you get over the fact that you're a black man. It's like something of Baldwin's sense of freedom being. Yeah, it's just like, you just, you know, do it. Okay, I'm black. You know, I'm not going to hang myself up over it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's how Ulysses moved in the world that he really just, he had a lot to say and he wanted to say it. And he had a gift of working with dancers and pulling out of them the best that they could be. And, and when you do that for an artist and you allow them to, to, to do what they do well, then I think both parties win. Um, and Ulysses always wanted to win with this stuff. So that's why he gave the, gave the dancers these, these challenging moves um, so that they can come to something that was different than the rest of the rep. I'm not certain if he was an egotistical person about it, but I do know that the dancers that he chose were really interested in finding out who they were in dance. And, and, and they wanted to tell the, uh, tell the story. Being responsible for his works is one of the conversations I have with them is that these are, his ballets are really my nieces and nephews. And I love them and I wanna care for them the best I can uh, um, because Ulysses is not here. So I have, to, I have to create a relationship with companies where the dancers wanna perform his works. You know, and 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 to them they're precious, as they are to me. And so when I'm, I'm when I don't see them or when I see them again, it's like going back to an old friend. You know, and and it's really it's really comforting um, to know that you can return back to a place and the dancers are still trying to perform the work, and they're performing it wonderfully, and they're excited to do the work because they're not just out there just doing it because it's on the program. They're doing it because there's something in it that they have to prepare to do. Like when we talked about, you know, getting ready for church, you have to get ready to do this. We're living in a world where a lot of our, our, our ceremonies are being eroded away. You know, people can go to the theater looking any old kind of way. But at one time in culture, 
I'll say American culture and culture, people prepared to do things, you know, they got dressed up to do them, you know, and meant something to go out, you know, and um, for the dancer to do a Ulysses work, they still have to go through that process. Alfred, what did Red Angels mean for Ulysses? There was some, there's something about um, Red Angels where the dancers are bathed in this red light, they're dancing, about this may be the last time I get to uh, perform, or there's, a, there's this, some quality of uh, finality in Red Angels. And it leaves you, the audience, wanting more because it's, it's, it's so dense. The, the movement, the, the engagement of the violinists, um, it's, it's all very um, in the moment. And I believe that Ulysses was saying with, with Red Angels and, 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 and working with the New York City Ballet that we all have a moment where we can really shine in what we do best. And in that moment where we're, we're, we're allowed to just pour ourselves into this height where we work so hard to get to. Um, New York City Ballet dancers are, are you know, pretty much the, the world's best dancers, you know. So uh, when you give them choreography that allows them to, to step outside of what people think of them, uh, the movement that that uh, Albert does with the torso, you know, and then it comes again with the, with the, with the with the hips, you know, that's not something people would expect of a New York City ballet dancer. So what he wanted to do was not to make it raunchy or make it sensuous, but he wanted to do it where it showed that he was so lifted up in his body. He was so lifted. That's what ballet is, right? We're lifted up there. I'm about to fall, pass out just thinking about it. You know, where you're always so lifted. But he wanted to take that and toy with it, not to make it deep where you feel it, but to, um, when you see it, it resonates a little later. Does that make sense? So he wanted to take, he wanted to make sure that, that the dance was about that. We are still resonating from Red Angels and when Ulysses said it. And so I, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted, he, he has so much to say, but it's, it's my responsibility to make sure that people see it because it's still saying something to us, you know? And that's, that's what he was all about. When you talk to a Ulysses dancer, someone that's done his works, they all have very fond memories, you know, of that, of how he shared his gift with them and then allow them to dance that gift. So it's not just, it's not just something that's happening um, for him. It's something that's happening with the dancers and him. And when the dancer really tells the story, then it's with the dancer and my brother is still there and the audience is part of that. And we're all kind of lifted up a little bit. When he says, um, Vespas is about his aunts and all the women he knew growing up, it's very difficult to, to keep that in that pigeonhole of the Black experience. It has to go to a point where everyone that's doing the piece can find a little bit of their growing up and their experiences with aunts and uncles 
And, and when you tell the story, like there's one section in there where, you know, uh, my, my um, uh, uncle used to beat my aunt. And so you can see in that movement where she's, where she's tired of this type of abuse and she takes her power back and, 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 and she takes it to the point where she's the one that's driving this power in her. You know, so then she gets to make a decision. Do I want to stay in this or do I want to move past this? And that's the beauty about Vespers, that those girls start, it starts talking about my grandmother and my great grandmother and how she had to let her go. And then it got into, it got, it gets into this Vespers or this prayer meeting where, you know, there are other women that are telling their stories. And, and, and sometimes it, the, the story gets so dramatic that she falls to the floor and everyone is just, you know, the, the incident of just looking for support, looking at someone and giving them that support helps them get back up again. And, and so um, Vespers is, is, is about getting back up when you've been knocked down. Bad blood is, is about living life even though you see people around them dying. And, and it's because of this horrible um, disease that's infected this whole community of people, you know? But you still gotta, you gotta say something about it and not just, you know, shock therapy. You know, the dancer has to say something about it. And when the dancer says that and the audience gets it, then he's pleased with it. Ulysses gets pleased with that. Were there particular dancers or other artists who like were his great, like like more more a peer inspiration muses, not yeah. so much? Oh yeah, I think that, that Milton Myers, you know, uh, certainly was one of his um, great friends. Carl Paris was, you know, um, Gary Deloach. And um, I'm not, I, I do know a couple of the ballet people, but I, but I wasn't, um, by that time I was married and, and, and raising my kids. So I didn't, I wasn't as knee deep in Ulysses' life. Um, he, he had such a way with um, ballet and so, and, and so comfortable with, with the, the, the um, syllabus um, he came in well prepared, you know. Um, he, he he admired um, Balanchine um, and the works of New York City Ballet as well as ABT American Ballet Theater. He loved the the Roman the um, the classics. He didn't want to do one, but you know, but he he just loved the the, the kind of pageantry and and pantomime that goes along with it. So he tried to figure out how to do those things. In, in the modern vein, uh, one, one of his great works uh, that's not performed often, but is just so powerful is Urban Folk Dance. And um, if you've ever seen that, he tells a story of two urban neighbors and how they were so in, involved in each other's lives. That too is a little slice of, of him growing up, you know, growing up, um, in a boarding school, you know, I, I would I would think that he was moving there as well. And then going to Howard, I know at that time Lewis Johnson was on staff as well as Mike Malone, and both of them come out of the the church and and that foundation that Ulysses had, you know. 
So all of those types of influences helped him tell a story from the point where he makes um, black culture, um, he, there's some commonality in cultures of the world. And he had a way of celebrating his culture in a way that allowed other people, if they did a work by him to celebrate their culture in it. So he, he really was looking for the humanity. And I, I believe that that's one of the great gifts he got from Alvin Ailey. Um, Alvin Ailey is a great humanitarian. Um, and because that's how, that's the only re- way that Ailey is all over the world. You know, you have to have something to offer the world for they even, even want you. Ulysses came along in the, in the 60s and, and 70s. So black culture was exploding in America at that time. And so he saw that as a way, like Ailey, to celebrate something, you know, rather than hide it and, and be ashamed of it. He was always about celebrating life, you know, even to the very end with when, when I think about Twilight and how he was trying to get that piece finished. And he was so passionate about saying something, he just didn't have the ability at that in his illness to, to get it done, you know. So Ulysses really, really worked into the very end, um, saying, saying something about dance and about how uh, dance makes you human, the scope of um, our art and how we can connect with, with um, different cultures through our art and our art expression. You know, he was very much about that. Well, Alfred, thank you so much for sharing your insights so generously with us on this episode. And uh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Silas. And it was a pleasure. Certainly in this time, we really do need the arts. It reminds us that we have more in common than we have differences. On February 25th, 1993, Ulysses Dove appeared on Charlie Rose. Dove spoke about his career, his current choreographic projects, and his view of art. Let's conclude by hearing Ulysses in his own words. Art is something that connects us all, but not at the lowest common denominator, but at the highest common denominator. There's, some, there's something in art that we all share, and when it's actually happening, there's, we can all di- differ on what we think dance is, but when it's actually happening, we all agree that it's happening. Yeah. We all agree that this is a moment here, you know what I mean? And when, when, when that moment happens, that magic, when, when we're transported from whatever, you know, someone who types all day on a, on a machine or someone who, who runs a crane or someone who runs a computer or someone who runs Wall Street, they're all connected by the, by the recognition of something that is so magic, mm. that is so transcendent of daily life and yet is daily life at the same time that it's, it's suddenly art. You know, and that's what I'm after, that, 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 that experience that runs the entire gamut from every experience that you can imagine in one single instant. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me again to hear the dance.